Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. Sam Stern joined, as always, by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have our colleague TJ Kitt in the studio with us to talk about customer success. Thanks for joining us, TJ. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with this assumption that many people have, but I will speak just for myself here, which is that customer success is just for B2B. So why should many of our listeners who are not working for B2B companies, although many are, why should those who are not care about a customer success function or discipline or role in their organization? Simply put, everybody has customers and all of those customers want to get something out of the product or service that you've delivered to them. Customer success as a discipline is solely focused on making sure that what it is that you promised someone when you sold them something is delivered to them once they've purchased it. And frankly, that's something that everybody should be focusing on, whether you're in B2B or B2C. The thing that I sell you, deliver the result that you expected. There's a lot of logic to what you just said. I can see that. And yet, it has historically, accurate to say, right, it's historically been limited to B2B companies and even a subset of B2B companies. Is that fair? That is fair. Its point of origin is in software as a service companies. There's an old book called Consumption Economics, and in that book they said, the new job that you're going to have to do when you go to these subscription-oriented businesses, adoption services. And that's because the customer can leave pretty easily, so you need some way to prevent that. And so to fight churn, you need to make sure that they adopt your product. Great. And people took that to heart. So they assigned customer success to any business that has or is moving toward a subscription model. And what I've always argued is any company that has a customer base that they need to remonetize in order to grow could also benefit from focusing on whether or not their customers got value. So if you think about people in all the industries that we cover, you're talking about high customer acquisition costs because you have to have salespeople, you have to have marketing departments, you're giving promotions, things of that nature. And you're also facing the fact that some spaces you're reaching saturation points. So there just aren't that many new customers to acquire. So if you're going to grow and not just end up in being a lifestyle company or a company that is very low growth, you have to figure out ways of taking that existing customer and convincing them to buy something else. But I can't convince you to buy something else if I haven't shown you that there was value in the first thing that you purchased. And so when you're thinking about the value here, it goes beyond just saying, okay, well, you wanted to download this app to help manage your finances because that wasn't the actual value that the person needed. They needed the value of actually managing their finances better, right? right? So it's making sure it's not just transactional, but that there's this ongoing success management. Right. People who buy drills don't want to buy a drill. They want to make holes. Yeah. So, right. so the, the, the question is, have I helped you make a hole? If I can't answer that question, or if I can't even identify what it is that you wanted to do with the drill, then there is no guarantee that I can actually keep your business over the long term. Well, and I like what you're getting at in the report too, is sometimes the pompous answer to that is, yeah, well, we all know they wanted to drill holes. It's actually, they wanted to hang a picture and be reminded of their memories here. Great. Thank you. Thank you. We, we know. And but what you're getting at here, I think it's important and, and right, is it's not the finance app. Of course, it helps me manage my finances. But what are my financial goals, right? right. Is it retirement? Is right. it kids' college funds? Is it, right. you know, uh, getting out of debt? And those would guide me towards different definitions of value and success for my interactions with your company and its products and services. Right. And that's where I point back to the stuff that Moxie did. And she, she says that, you know, value isn't all just what the product does. That's simply the functional value. But there's also economic value, the value 
equate to the amount of money I had to spend on it. There's symbolic value. Does this improve my stature in the community? There's experiential value. How does this thing make me feel? How does it make my day go, etc.? So there are things like that that people are trying to achieve, or at least trying to get out of their interaction with your product or service. And so it's incumbent upon you to understand that and then design an experience that actually helps people achieve those goals. And I think the, the problem has been that when we talk about a good customer experience, we focus so much on just whether or not someone is satisfied. And we don't spend enough time talking about whether that satisfaction is a product of them getting what they wanted or the product of someone just being nice to them or <laughs> this thing just being generally agreeable. So what is the actual outcome that we try to achieve? And the thing I point out in the report and the thing I've, I've pointed out over time is when you ask people who are responsible for product marketing and product management, they have a really hard time telling you what it is that their product actually does for somebody. What they're really good at is telling you what their product does. They're really bad at telling you what that outcome is. Even if they can describe for you a use case that a customer has, when you press them and say, okay, so what was the actual value? value of that to the customer. They'll revert back to describing, here's what the product does. That makes sense. And then imagine for our listeners, a customer success function or discipline or mindset inside of an organization where you wouldn't traditionally expect to find that kind of a function or job title. What does that mindset do? Or what does this function do that gets you past that value to, as we define it, to the value or the outcome as the customer? What I talk about is three things. If you approach it as a discipline, so that doesn't require the overhead of creating an actual business function. And let's underline that point here, listeners. PJ <laughs> is not talking about this huge creation of a new department that has happened actually a lot of the tech companies, yes. right? Forrester included, by the way, that we yeah. have suddenly a new department around customer success. But that's not necessarily what you're pointing them towards here. Right. Because, I mean, like everything else, and there are tenants to that you can take. And if you're smart enough about it, you can apply it to your own business. So the tenets of, of customer success that I would say are generally applicable are as follows. One, understanding what it is that the customer actually is trying to achieve. This is the conversation that you need to have with your customer. Not necessarily just, well, do you want to buy this widget? But what do you want to do with this widget. And that's important for two reasons. One is it actually helps you shape the experience. So if I know what you're trying to achieve, then I can eventually guide you to that result. But two, what I think is important here is that it actually helps you understand how the customer ultimately is going to evaluate the success or mm. failure of the experience. If you're using the drill example, if this thing doesn't drill holes in the wall, because the bit is incorrect for the material. So I have a drill bit that can go through drywall, but it can't go through acrylic. That's not going to be useful for me. So I didn't actually achieve the goal. And so I had a bad experience because ultimately it wasn't effective. If I understand that, if I understand what it is the person's trying to achieve, then I can have a better perspective on how this relationship should be categorized as healthy or unhealthy or whatever. Once I've understood what the customer requires, and I can move on to the second thing, which is actually help build a roadmap map to help the customer achieve that. So for the most part, when I sell you something, people treat it as a kind of a fire and forget sort of thing. I've, I've sold it to you. Now go forth and be successful with it. And many times I have no clue what to do with your product. But if I don't understand kind of like I bought this for some reason, but I don't necessarily have a good handle on how I am going to get to that end goal, then that becomes something where I need your assistance. So building into the experience a way to then talk to the customer about here are the things that you need to do and here are the things that we will do to aid you actually then ensures that, number one, the customer feels like you care 
about what it is they're trying to achieve. Two, talks about how you have skin in this game. Here are the things that we are going to do for you. This is our promise to you as the company. Then the third thing, which I think is also just as important, is that it communicates to the customer that, hey, you actually have to do things too in order to get this value. You have mm -hmm. to change some of your behaviors. You have to change some of your processes in order to see the actual benefit of using our product. It can't just be, I bought it ipso facto, we're successful. It's really talking to the customer about how the world has to change in order for you to reach your goal. And then here are the steps that you have to take to make that change. I really like those three steps together. I think the first one where you're understanding enough about the customer to have a reasonable degree of certainty of what their definition of success looks like, then sets you up well to be more proactive as a company in helping them with step two, which is ensuring they actually get success, and then leaves you in a position to ask things of them, step three. That right. if you actually understand what their success looks like and you're proactively helping them, then it's earned to say, but you have to do a few things. You can't just sit here and not go shopping and not put anything in your Instant Pot and expect you to have a delicious meal. You have to do a few things, but we will help you know which things to do in which order and how well you're progressing towards your definition of that. One other thing I'll add is that once you have set that roadmap, then that provides the opportunity to then think about how do I nudge you along? What are the things that I build into the experience to say, you should be doing this. Here's the path. You kind of fell off of it. How do I pick you up when you fall or... How do I look out over the horizon and say, well, here's a pothole. Let me make sure I pave that over for you so that you don't trip over it as mm -hmm. you progress towards your goal. That's the trickier part, probably the trickiest part, because mm -hmm. that then requires you to have a level of foresight about what it is that your customer is going to be doing with your product that perhaps a lot of companies haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. They've thought about building a product, but they haven't thought about how to get the customer to adhere to what the product requires in order for the customer to get the value out of it. I think that we think about that sometimes when we're thinking about designing experiences and marketing right. well in some ways. When we talk about personalization, how can I personalize the experience right. to them, understand their success, and also things such as gamification, mm -hmm. which can be applied completely wrong, but when <laughs> applied correctly, is understanding what path are you on and how do we visually surface to the user where they are in that path so that they can continue to progress and know what actions to take. So I think this is interesting because some companies think about that as this above and beyond experience they're creating, whereas really this should be baked in from the very start to the experience, even the visual design of that experience right. to make sure that it creates that right. result. In everything that Forrester has done on customer experience, there's always this undercurrent of customer success or that the customer should be successful. If you look at how we have taught clients to do journey mapping, we say that the customer's goal is the thing that ties it all together. So you map this as if someone is striving to achieve something, and then you only conclude it when the customer has achieved the thing that they were trying to do in the first place. When we talk about our customer experience index, one of the three tenets of quality is effectiveness. Did this thing meet your needs? If we're talking about digital user experience, that's a customer goal-oriented scenario that you're supposed to be walking through in order to evaluate whether or not the interface actually allows for the customer to do the thing that they wanted to do. So yes, the idea that the customer should ultimately be successful in this should be baked into 
all of the things that we do when we talk about customer experience. I just think that the way that we have discussed the role of customer experience professionals, particularly when it comes to measurement, where you're focused on the net promoter, are they loyal? Are they advocates? Kind of misses the plot on that sort of stuff. Again, it's coming back to that criticism of net promoter score that it's an outcome of a successful customer interaction or set a series of customer interactions. So point very well taken, TJ, that make them successful in their primary goals for using your products and services, and they likely will be an advocate for you. But don't right. obsess over them becoming an advocate. And this also has implications then for what you just mentioned, for what questions should you ask in your surveys that mm. you send out to mm -hmm. see if people are really happy with the experience and achieving those broader goals, and even at the very beginning during onboarding, to make sure that you know what those broader motivations and goals are. Right. And I think the companies that seem to be doing this well are companies that are continuously running through this process of trying to understand what their customers want, developing a roadmap, and then creating nudges to push them along the path. Mm -hmm. The way that we've drawn it and the way that I'll present it at our forum is as a cycle. So with each loop, you get better. So I understand what you want it, create a roadmap. I nudge you along the way and watching you respond to these nudges, I understand better what it is that you want it, which enables me to create better roadmaps, which makes me create better nudges. And then around and around <laughs> we go. So in theory, if you make this a discipline, as opposed to walling it off in a function where people practice the dark arts of customer success, mm -hmm. then the business overall will be very good at this idea of number one, focusing on what it is that customers ultimately value. And then number two, striving toward developing products and services that are designed in a way that ensures the customer gets that value. Very well said. Well, TJ, thank you for joining us to talk about the customer success function and your, I don't want to make this sound too highfalutin, but almost your manifesto, your <laughs> strong recommendation that it break out of just the B2B technology area where it's built up and become very popular. And I really like that emphasis you're putting on success and defining it in the customer's terms as, as a real point of focus for more companies with their customer experience. So listeners, we posted a few links to TJ's various reports on customer success functions and how they are successful themselves in the show notes for the episode. And we'll talk to you all on next week's episode of the CX Cast. Goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.